0: Welcome back. It is episode five of Coffee and Gaming. We are coming to you live on a Thursday afternoon. It's 2 p.m. Pacific time. And guess what, everybody? The Tampa Bay Rays are already 13-0, aren't they, Nika?
1: Yes. Amazing. Amazing. 13-0 on the April 13th.
0: Wow. 13-13. You just heard the voice of my lovely co-host, uh, my beautiful wife, Nika, and... We are going to be doing our little weekly baseball talk coming up soon. But before we get into that, we have a little lifestyle topic we wanted to share with you this week that came up last week on Easter Sunday. And one of the things that I think we have really done to maintain our lifestyle is this idea of not falling into what I call the calendar trap, if you will.
1: That's a nice name, calendar trap.
0: Yes. So I, I have this theory that the... Holiday schedule throughout the season is sort of rigged to keep people addicted to sugar.
1: <laughs> I, I don't think you're wrong. I think it is. I don't know if it's rigged or just designed.
0: I guess let me explain what I mean by that is that, you know, we have New Year's and Christmas kind of coming at the beginning slash end of the year. That's followed closely by Valentine's Day, like six weeks later. Yeah. And then sort of like six to eight weeks after that, you get Easter.
1: Yeah, Easter. Okay. Um, Memorial.
0: Then you have Memorial Day, 4th of July, Labor Day, Halloween, Thanksgiving. Christmas. Christmas and New Year's.
1: And then you start all over.
0: And then again. the cycle starts over again. And it's every one of those holidays is associated with either candy or baked goods with lots of sugar and fat mixed together, which is just really bad for you. Mostly just sugar. There's Mostly. a lot of sugar associated with with those holidays.
1: Hey, the whole holiday, Halloween, it's all about sugar. <laughs> Halloween, Easter, Easter eggs, Easter bunnies, Valentine's Day, sugar.
0: And it's just, just kind of like keeps it ever-present in the mind throughout the year. You know, it's like spaced just enough. But what, what winds up happening is that there is Halloween candy out. And then there is someone's birthday cake. And then there is someone's, you know... Thanksgiving leftovers. And then there is someone's, you know, holiday cookies. And that's the cycle that repeats itself throughout the year.
1: You're correct. And it's never ending cycle of sugar, birthday, sugar, holiday, something else continues on. Yep.
0: Well, and I guess our belief is that human beings are just not designed to be able to handle that addiction. They're not supposed to be putting it in their bodies in the first place. So it's no wonder that a large majority of the ones who do are getting highly addicted to this stuff. <laughs>
1: yes, you are right. And it's not even people that are watching their weight. It's for everybody. It's uh, always in front, whether you've come off, like we just came off Easter, right? Absolutely. There's going to be people that are going to have birthdays right around the corner.
0: and Birthdays, uh, absolutely. Spring breaks, sometimes a little bit before, sometimes a little bit be- after Easter in my memory.
1: Yeah, and I feel like those holidays, those sugary holidays, keep people, a lot of times, it's like a crutch or they give them an excuse to buy candies. Oh, it's for my kids or for my grandkids. And yeah, the kids will eat it, but the rest of it stays in your house.
0: I'll give you another example is that there's a lot of Easter candy that's on like clearance price right now because it's no longer good to the store because Easter's gone. but. You know, and we used to be guilty of this. We would oh, never, yeah. ever buy the candy during the weeks leading up to Christmas or the weeks leading up to Easter or Halloween. But the day after, we would be the first ones in line. Oh, we're going to get a bag of Kit Kats and a bag of Reese's Pieces cups. Those were for sure on the menu and, you know, not so much anymore. But that's, oh, they
1: are not on the menu anymore at all.
0: That's another thing you got to be careful of is because it's like, oh, you know, you certainly just ate a bunch of candy, whether it was through your work or through your family get-togethers, and now you're gonna get even more.
1: And you're making an excuses. Oh, I'm just gonna hold on to it for later, or I will bring it to work to share, or my kid's gonna be over, or grandkids, and I would just give it to them. But you're forgetting, you're gonna be also eating it. It's it's never, I will eat one and I will stop. It's mostly, I will eat more, or I will eat the whole bag. Oh, yeah. and that triggers a lot of people to uh, become either uh, stressful eaters, emotional eaters, and it's a never-ending cycle.
0: I think we've done a pretty good job of explaining yeah. like, our sort of theory about the calendar. It is kind of spread out in an interesting way throughout the year that just kind of keeps you, keeps your addiction fed.
1: People might not even think about the terms like this, that it's feeding my addiction these holidays times are very stressful you're not only going to family gatherings and have to explain yourself why you're not doing this or why you're not eating certain things but then you feel like you're on this slippery slope oh if i just have one i can probably hold off but you know deep down that's not gonna work
0: you know? no one can have just one
1: you no, know, that's true
0: so That leads into a great topic, which is how do we avoid binging on all of this sugary, snacky junk when we have to celebrate the holidays? And one of the things that immediately came to my mind, tip number one to share with people about to basically prioritize eating fat and protein before you eat anything else on those days. Because if you do that, in my mind at least, you're going to stay full longer and in your limiting the amount of extra junk you're going to even be able to binge on before you feel sick. And I'm talking like, you know, stomach ache sick.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. You, you should never go to a gathering on an empty stomach if you one of the people that are not fat adapted because the cravings will make you eat. You know, you're going to feel hungry, you will snack. People come into gatherings a couple hours earlier just to hang out and they do eat. So that's a great point. Eat something satiating, eat a good breakfast, eat some eggs, bacon, whatever, before you go to your brunch. That way you're not going to be tempted by the junky food or the sweets. Also keep in mind, maybe not arriving so early, just make it to be, if it's at one, you will be there at one. And I think the bigger concept is to reorient yourself. The holiday is not about the candy. It's about the company shift focus from what we eating to the focus of the company and how to approach it from that angle you're not going there to just eat all day (laughs) you're going there to hang out to visit your aunts grandparents parents so keep that focus on what the holiday means to you it's not about eating it's about everything else
0: if that well it can be a little bit about eating but sure. it doesn't have to be the whole central focus. I think a right. lot of people do make it that. Oh, got to have grandma's pies every Christmas. <laughs> How many pieces are you going to have? You know, like if you look at like the entire week, even in, in the week, like after Christmas, when you take leftovers home and or or grandma and grandpa come by on New Year's and bring that second one. I think a big part of it is having the the mentality. Like you said, these all of these events that I mentioned throughout the calendar year are about something else. Mm-hmm. they're about something more than just food right and yet food has become like the central almost takeover even even of like valentine's day and halloween specifically two holidays one is about love and the other is about ghosts and goblins and ghouls and all that frankenstein stuff and and that has nothing to do with candy, candy. And yet both holidays are like, if you go to a store, you would think the opposite. You would think this is all about candy. Yeah. So shifting your focus is a huge priority. And I think it, it helps you sort of manage this calendar and manage this, you know, the, the, the days even of the events themselves. you You brought up a great point. I'm going to my aunt's house and we're going to socialize with everybody for two or three hours even before they even serve food and there's going to be chips out and there's going to be probably brownies and cookies out and other stuff out and how do you avoid eating that because that is empty mm-hmm. that is there is no nutritional value in anything i just mentioned so how do you avoid eating that before you get your hands on that burger and hot dog that's coming 2 3 hours later at your aunt's cookout and the answer is what you said is like maybe you eat a couple of eggs right before you leave because mm-hmm. It's going to make you feel full and hold you over. And and even if you do grab a handful of chips or a, a cookie, A, your body will have already broken down some actual nutrients for you that day. But also, you won't be able to eat 10 cookies before that burger comes. You, you might be able to only eat one or two before you're like, oh boy, man, stomach, stomach is full. <clears throat> Does that make sense?
1: Totally. And also, when you do visit gatherings and family, friends, you can always set up some boundaries for yourself. I'm only going to have a little bit of this or my aunt makes this awesome dish that I always liked. Have a little piece. Just set up those boundaries ahead of time and stick with it. I know it will be hard, but... Those are personal choices that you make. they will affect how you feel the next day.
0: So you bring up a great topic, which is this idea that your aunt's secret recipe that you're looking forward to trying, right? Or maybe maybe it's your grandma's pumpkin pie. I know that was very famous in our family, for example. Don't be afraid to say no
1: in a polite way.
0: You don't it, have it to, is yeah. one of the hardest things that you're going to encounter in life is not just pure pressure about choosing what to eat, but more family pressure. It, it comes around more at the family gathering where you've been going for, you know, 30, 40 years in a row, and then to all of a sudden say, oh, I'm not going to have grandma's pumpkin pie anymore because it doesn't comply with my lifestyle anymore. That's a hard thing for some family members to take and and to even, like, witness firsthand and be like, well, what do you mean? Oh, come on, just just have one come on it's it's Christmas have a piece of Grandma's pie it's just one piece of year you. you can do it. it it's this pure pressure that's gonna it, it it's gonna come so we wanted to end I think this segment of the podcast with just a little bit of like how do you say no with without offending people and and how to go about it so the first thing the first step is to realize that you can't be afraid to say no
1: yes don't be afraid to say no you don't have to explain yourself you just say thank you it looks wonderful but it's not for me and don't put labels on things don't put labels on what you're doing on your diet you want to maintain focus on yourself and lead by example if there's something that you know that it's not gonna sit well with you just politely say, no, thank you. I appreciate how wonderful this looks, but I will have to pass. You don't want me to be in the bathroom the next day for mm-hmm. a couple hours. You know, no family member is going to be like, oh, yeah, that's a great idea for you to spend a whole day in the bathroom. <laughs> I don't think that's happening. Focus on yourself. Focus on your health without offending anybody. Don't broadcast what you do. Just lead by example and things kind of fall into place. Also, you can always tell, you know, in advance, please don't make so many, I don't know, cakes or cookies because I don't want to take him home.
0: I think in general, it's hard to talk about lifestyle and diet in particular with family and family members. It's can be, it can be a sticky subject. Even living the way we live and going to parties sometimes requires some serious advanced planning on our parts. I I can't even tell you the last time we ate anything that was kind of processed. It's been a Especially from like a sweets perspective, you know? Yeah. Um, I mean, we do eat ice cream from the store that's made with erythritol and stevia and monk's fruit. So, but aside from that, really like all our cookies come from you, anything like baked in any way, like we have chicken pizza crust right now that's in rotation, um, we have the peanut butter made cookies, the other nut butter made cookies. Um, so
1: that's another good point. If you coming to a gathering, bring a, a dish that you like and share with others. Just simple dish, like I make that chicken crust pizza. Right, just bring it over, and it will be a topic of a conversation because nobody probably heard of it before, and. Everybody can experience it, taste it, and you can say how much you enjoy it, you know, without saying all the other things.
0: Again, you bring up a great point, which is that whether you're turning something down or whether you're bringing something from your lifestyle to share with other people, it can lead to more interesting and constructive conversation than waving a flag saying like, hey, look at me, everybody, look what I'm doing with my life. Like losing the weight and stuff that dramatically changed my shape and size will automatically generate conversation on its own but aside from that you know the the food choices you make and and food is always a topic of conversation even in our lifestyles so we make this great chicken crust pizza that you've kind of discovered upon more recently and we've been having it a lot because there's no reason not to and the the point is though is you can bring that to a party now and serve it and it will taste delicious and most people would eat it no problem and it would make a great conversation like what there's no carbs in this at all yeah Like, wow amazing
1: Amazing, and that's it that's all you got to do really just be mindful
0: and so that alone will create great conversation around food and positive conversation around yes food you
1: and- want to keep it positive you don't want to be nagging on people or lecturing them in the gatherings that's just a big no-no People come in with expectations of certain things when it comes to Easter. We have a huge brunch. We're going to have cookies, cakes, blah, blah. Nobody wants to hear your story at that moment.
0: Absolutely not. When you take this approach of even saying no and you say politely, you know, like, oh, no, thank you. Like, oh, what do you mean? I don't do that anymore.
1: Yeah. Focus on you.
0: Why? You know, get someone to ask you why so you can explain well, because I feel so much healthier. I don't feel sluggish and I have so much more energy and I, I get so much more done every day because I'm not spending so much time eating. I, we'll get into all of these things over time on this podcast, I promise. But you know, the last thing I think I wanna say about this is that despite the fact that you might have great conversations with people and that they might be you know very constructive and very stimulating, you're not gonna convince everybody. Yeah. And you have to let people draw their own conclusions from you just like nika and i draw our own conclusions from everybody we we try to keep an open mind with all of the information that we we hear in life as much as possible but you know and we're biased we have our sources and and things that we like more than others just like everybody else does but the point is is that people are going to make their own decisions and and nothing you say or do is going to change that ability you know that you don't have you can't make
1: control the people right exactly they have to be ready person that wants to change has to be ready for that change you cannot force it upon him but that's a different conversation topic
0: (laughs) oh it fits right in you know it's it's a it's a it's important to put this at the end because you know you don't want a conversation that's positive or a moment that's positive to to become a negative moment over time because someone says like oh, that's great that you're doing that. And then 10 minutes later, they're like eating their second piece of pumpkin pie or something, you know? That's the point I'm trying to make, is like as much as you try to make good points and people might even agree with you and like nod their head, they might betray you five or 10 minutes later and you can't let that bother you, you know? It's like, A, no one's gonna change like overnight, immediately. And B, you know, like you have to let people come to these conclusions on their own. Yes. And and.
1: You need to be their support when they do come in. You need to be their source of information, the support, and the safe space they <laughs> need to talk about stuff, you know, that you went through or they were going through. And that's it. That's how you get people on your on your side more <laughs> versus being always preachy and patronizing oh, yeah. and nagging. I
0: mean, I, there's no greater advocate for our lifestyle than me. I think you you know that. Like I am like. I want everyone to try it, you know, oh, you got to try it. You got to try it. But at the same time, I know that if I do that and if I like continuously do that to people that like, they're less likely they are going to be to actually try it. So that's the opposite of what I want. So obviously I am coming to the conclusion that it's better and it leads to more constructive dialogue and better conversation. If you just let the questions come to you in this situation, like lead by example with how you do it, lead by example by how you look.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: and go from there
1: that's a great point and to summarize it like before gatherings eat some satiating breakfast eggs bacon have a strategy when you do go to the gathering um, set up some boundaries or strategy that this is what's going to happen i'm going to stick with it and focus on the celebration don't focus on the sugary sweets
0: and don't don't be afraid to say no
1: don't be afraid to say no, yes. <laughs>
0: Don't do drugs. No, I'm do- just
1: kidding. <laughs>
0: Sound like the damn narco police.
1: Sugar addiction is a thing.
0: It really is. And that's coming straight from the horse's mouth. Yeah. Okay, we're going to move on to baseball, but I think we covered some important stuff in that little conversation there about the holidays.
1: You can always and, revisit. Uh, this This is always changing.
0: It's going to come again, like we said, in like at least eight or so times a year, if you don't count your birthdays and your friends and coworkers' birthdays and all that stuff.
1: Yeah, it feels like ever-evolving door with this stuff. There's always something coming up that requires sugary treats.
0: Absolutely. <laughs> all right. We are moving on to baseball. And wow, it's been an, an, a wild couple of weeks for baseball, hasn't it?
1: Yes, crazy, crazy, um, and amazing. We exactly.
0: mentioned it at the top of the show, but it's worth mentioning again. The Rays, as of this recording, are thirteen and zero. Amazing. Wow,
1: thirteen and zero. So it's safe to assume there's only thirteen games so far that every team played.
0: Yeah. Well, that's not entirely true. Some teams have played twelve games. Uh, some teams have played thirteen, and some teams have had rainouts and cancellations and haven't made up the games yet. So by the end of the year, it'll all be even. But the Rays have played 13, um, and they are up there. Some teams have played 12. Some teams, by the end of the day today, will have played 14. Oh. So it's just the way the calendar shakes out.
1: Okay. But 13, it's a 13-winning streak on the 13th of April.
0: Yeah, wow. it's, uh, I believe it is now tied for a major league record to start the season. And so we'll be watching very closely to see what happens. But a few things I wanted to point out about this Rays team is their runs scored versus runs against right now is 101 to 30. To put that into a little bit of perspective, first off, no other team has scored 100 runs yet this year, and no other team has even scored 90. Actually, you know, I'm looking at it again, no other team has scored 80 runs yet. Wow! This year, and the Rays are already at 101. They are they are looking entirely tough to beat. And as money runs, they're scoring. They're giving up even less. They are leading Major League Baseball in runs against, which means they've given up the least amount of runs during wow. this stretch as well. You could make the argument that they have the best offense and best defense in baseball right now. I mean, pitching included, I guess, in that defense because.
1: Do you well, think they're going to continue on like that?
0: Well, it's tough to say. The one thing I do know is that they have really great pitching. They have, okay. they have a load of quality starting pitching. They also have like really solid core of players, you know, like I was looking at their team statistics today. They are, as a team, hitting almost 300, but they have, obviously, the most runs. You know, like I said, they're the only team that's scored 100 runs so far, and no one else has scored 80. So they are by far leading in that category. They do not have the most hits in the league. Okay. I staying corrected, you know. So the Blue Jays, this just puts in a little bit of perspective for you. The Blue Jays have... One more hit as a team, and they've played one less game than the Rays. However, they have only scored sixty seven runs. And the Rays have scored a hundred and one runs.
1: Wow, that's 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 phenomenal, really.
0: It is crazy good. Uh,
1: the Rays matched the eighty two Braves and eighty seven Brewers for the longest winning streak in the start of a season.
0: So they're tied now for a major league record. I believe tomorrow if they win, they will have the major league record. So we won't know until next week's podcast, but it, you got to talk about the Rays right now. It's just a, a, an amazing way to start a season. You know, I, I don't want to be in that division. If You know, I, I don't know. The Yankees are 8-4, and four, perfectly respectable. Toronto, 8-4. and four. Perfectly respectable, playing 667 winning percentage baseball. The Orioles are 500. I think they won today, so they're 7-6, and six, actually. They're, they're a game over 500, and they're already six games behind. Six games. It, you can't underestimate getting off to a hot start.
1: No, you cannot. And I'm just reading this. The only team that had a longer winning streak... Uh, the beginning of the season.
0: Okay, so there it's is...
1: 1884 San Luis Maroons. They won 20 games before the, they lost the game. Wow. That's how long it's been. Well,
0: that's 18 what? 1884.
1: 1884,
0: so that is literally 119 years. I mean, I don't even know if that counts as a statistic. <laughs> well... <laughs> I guess so. Um, might
1: not be a statistic, but it's an information.
0: It's hilarious.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um,
0: I love that it's like the Maroons. <laughs> it's like some team name that doesn't exist anymore.
1: Saint Louis Maroons, yeah.
0: Anyways, to just put a little bow on this Tampa Bay Rays sure. discussion, I I I feel sorry for the rest of the division. You know, it's gonna be a really long year for Boston. It, everybody knew that, but it might be a really like odd year where you have a a majority of the playoff teams coming out of the AL East and and only like one or one or t- team coming out of the other divisions the Yankees the Blue Jays and the Orioles I think are all going to be in the mix for the playoffs at the end of the season and I think they stand well we'll see when we get there but it's a long way to go and it's looking really like the AL East is, is where the, the good teams are
1: it's a tough division and they, the other teams have uh,
0: lot, yeah maybe it's to a better them. way I put it there's good teams in other divisions for sure but it's you know obviously the there's a high level of talent in that division and it's a tough division to play in. Um, so yeah. I wanted to move on to the AL Central and talk not so much about the twins and the Guardians, but more about the White Sox and the Royals. I, I think they gotta be two of the biggest disappointments in <laughs> baseball. Play
1: White Sox, I'm not surprised. Royals? Why Royals? I,
0: I'm I'm surprised by the White Sox, you know. I thought getting rid of Larusa would give them and their young talent, sort of an energy boost. Um, But it just hasn't happened, you know, despite the fact that some guys on their team are having really nice seasons right now. Uh, Luis Robert and Juan Mancata, But collectively, they just aren't putting it together. They don't seem to have the pitching right now. And, yeah, we'll have to wait and see how it shakes out for them. But even bigger disappointment is the Royals, you know. Like, the Royals have some of the most coveted rookies or young players in baseball right now, and yet had the lowest team batting average and that's just like really disappointing to see like you you, uh you know like i i root for these guys these young players i want them to do well and it's just so it's just tough to see you know that they're they're barely hitting over 200 as a team you know the only team that's hitting worse than them is the tigers in their division but if you start to look even closer at the numbers their rbis are like down compared to a lot of other teams. They don't have 50 yet. And you look at the across the board, a lot of teams have broken across the 50 runs batted in threshold, you know. Their strikeouts are really high, 124. Like I think that's the highest in baseball if I'm looking at this list correctly. So, those are like some alarming factors f- for me and I'm just like I want to see the Royals hit more, man. Like y- you're supposed to have all this young talent on, you know.
1: Did they get like a bunch of good new players last year? Uh, I know the well, guy. Got...
0: I mean, Bobby Wood Jr. is right. like the face. He was on Team USA, and he's struggling out of the gate a little bit. You don't want to put it all on one player's shoulders, though. It's it's a team. Yeah, game. it's a team game, and they have a lot of young rookies. You know, and they're
1: just not putting out. They're that not way.
0: putting out, and so I, I root for the young players to do well. It's
1: it's the game. The they're the pro. You know? They're the future of the game. Absolutely, all timers gonna retire at some point.
0: Plus, I think baseball does better when cities like Pittsburgh and Kansas City and lower market teams mm-hmm. play better. You know, it's, it's good for their fan base. I don't think their fans expect them to compete every year, like the Yankees and the Dodgers maybe, but you want to see them make strategic runs, you know, when they build up the young players and they're ready to bring in a few veterans to complement them. sure. You know, you want them to be able to do that every few years to keep their fan base engaged and interested. And
1: Sure. Kansas City doesn't have any other teams like sport teams, right? Or am I... No, they have the Chiefs. They, they're they doing just fine with the Chiefs. Oh, the Chiefs. They have a football... F- yeah. Oh, hello. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's okay. I get it, though. They don't have basketball. They don't have right. hockey. I understand what you're saying. You you want to see them do well for that reason as well, to keep the, the city engaged in the sports. Yeah. And whatnot. Well... Here's hoping the Royals turn it around and Bobby with Junior gets hot and you know, it's gonna be good for baseball. Sure. So uh that brings us to the uh, uh the AL West. And our our Angels are in first place. Uh they're tied right now for first place with Texas. Um they do have some games tomorrow. So neither one of them oh. plays tonight.
1: They have a day off today.
0: They do. So okay. uh I guess the big news with with the Angels for me is that Altani and Trout are playing really well, mm-hmm. um, and they are they're definitely going to be in the mix.
1: Uh, they do play well, and I feel like those two players are carrying a team on their shoulders a little well, bit. There are other players. I'm not denying that. There are other players.
0: I I understand what you're saying.
1: They are more known players i i watched angel's game a couple days ago and the stands were filled out and there was a lot of people watching
0: yeah i would say when it comes to texas and anaheim right now they're both kind of evenly ranked in the middle of the pack when it comes to average in fact they're in the lower half when it comes to like the league average and just hitting you know but when you look at like runs scored for example the Angels are in an eighth and they're in the upper half and the Rangers are fifth so batting average is not necessarily tied to the amount of runs you score yeah we all know that from Moneyball mm-hmm. but that just goes to show you you know like it's it's about getting on base yeah <laughs> as they say in the-
1: how many times you get on base Seattle is a disappointment though
0: yeah it's tough and I kind of saw this coming for Seattle a little bit but Every team's different year to year, and I I do root for them. I hope they are able to turn it around. I like Julio Rodriguez a lot. I really love to watch him play the game. Um, but it's more than just one player, unfortunately. Yeah. Here. And you know, I I worry about the Mariners, especially with like some of their starting pitching. Um, they were they were up seven to one the other night at Wrigley. Yeah. Only to lose to the Cubs.
1: Yeah, Cubs came back and whooped their ass.
0: Speaking of the Cubs, we can move on to the uh, National League. Sure. And we can put our sights on the NL Central a little bit. Um, now, the thing that stands out in the NL Central the most is obviously the Brewers. The Brewers pitching, I feel like, is really underrated coming into the season. In fact, I would say the Brewers are pitching more like they were projected to pitch last year. If you remember, there was there was people that were like picking the Brewers and the White Sox to be in the World Series because they had the best starting pitching. I remember. And that didn't pan out quite so well, did it? But I think the Brewers do have good pitching this year, and the numbers do show it, you know? Like, they've given up the fewest runs in the National League by a lot. Hmm. When I say a lot, I mean, they've only given up 34 runs. They haven't given up 40, and no other team has can say that. Every other team has given up 50 runs or more. Damn. So the Brewers pitching is getting it done. They are also scoring runs. They are, you know, looking at the numbers here, third, I'm sorry, fourth. Yeah, they are tied for fourth in runs scored. So they're getting it done on offense. They're getting it done on defense. And our our Padres are starting a four-game series with them tonight in yeah. San Diego. So um, we'll talk about that a little bit later. Um, but going back to the NL East, it's the Mets and the and the Braves this year. The Phillies, the Phillies are are in bad shape, and and they gotta just hope that they stay around, I guess, until Bryce Harper comes back.
1: They're a player. Yeah.
0: They are four and a half games back already. Yeah. Um. They are getting outscored by 15 runs. I think if you're Philadelphia, you gotta like hang your hat on a few things and say, Okay, Schwarber's gonna get hot at some point and there's a lot of games to go with your division still. It's early, we're two weeks into the season, but it's 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 alarming, you know, especially when you got those talented teams to compete against, the Braves and the Mets. Every the Mets, they spend tons of money, they wanna be there. The Braves, they have a great young talented team.
1: And it shows they win they have won nine games.
0: Right, and they've lost four, three of them to the Padres. So Atlanta, very good. Mets, pretty good so far. Um, we'll see how it shakes out. For sure. Um, I I guess the other thing to point out with Pittsburgh, uh, they lost O'Neill Cruz this week. Oh, the, really kind of bummed about that. Although it's kind of his own fault. He should have slid a little differently. Um, I I know it's hard because baseball is a spontaneous game.
1: How long is he up?
0: Um, I think he's going to be out till August, It's it.
1: Wow. So if they don't make playoffs, it's over I, for him I mean, he'll, this season.
0: Yeah, I don't know how much they'll use him in September if they're far back. But, I mean, I guess the hope is is that they stay in the hunt and that mm-hmm. if they're alive when he comes back, he, it's it's almost like getting a trade for a really good player at yep. that point in the season. So we'll see what happens. I'm going to move on to the uh, NL West because that's the division we watch the most. <laughs> and that's, uh, wow, I'm looking at the leaderboard and it's Arizona. I wouldn't have guessed that. No. So why is that, I wonder?
1: Yeah, I'm not sure. Do they have uh, new talent?
0: Well, a lot of people just think they're playing scrappy baseball. I think they're making the new rules work to their advantage. One thing that stands out about their numbers is they have an actual negative run differential right now. (laughs) So they are actually getting outscored by their opponents, and yet they are sitting with this divisional lead. Now, Hmm. I guess one thing I want to say is I don't expect this lead to stand at all. I think... It will get shuffled. The Dodgers and the Padres are going to pass the Diamondbacks for sure. I I don't know about the Giants. I, I didn't have a high opinion of the Giants going into the season. So I think Arizona is improved. I think they may stay ahead of the Giants and the Rockies. I'm surprised to see the Rockies down that low after getting off to such a strong start, too. But
1: I don't know. Rockies, uh, they didn't spend a lot last year. or
0: No, of course not. season.
1: I don't know if they are rebuilding. I don't know what the situation is. They
0: definitely be. have an identity crisis in yeah. my mind. So, yeah. Um, anyways, that brings me to uh, the Padres. And the obviously, we're the Padres fans. We have Nika over here rocking her Friars t-shirt. I say that with a little bit of humility. We are underperforming a little bit so far this year and Badger. maybe um it's a little tough to say i mean we just went and played the mets and the braves on the road and we're coming home with a, a winning record so it's hard to be hard on that kind of a, a team but i want to single out blake chanel right now because he's looked really shaky in all three of his starts and i was really frustrated watching him yesterday in new york pitch
1: just it's nerve wracking to watch him.
0: I I just feel like there's so much shakiness with him. It's not that he's bad. It's not that he doesn't have talent. Like everything is there. The liveliness. Like it's head. It's in his head. It's, yeah. It's a it, and, it, and just watching him continuously make the same mistakes and just labor. It's so much. So many pitches. Unnecessary. Yeah. You you compare it to like Greg Maddox, who did not have Blake Chanel's arm, but could pitch a seventy six pitch complete game in history, you know, and, and continuously throw complete games, nine innings pitched with less than a hundred pitches. He did that by using his pitches to make batters swing and hit the ball, but get them out. You know, like, you can't be afraid to let people hit. And I think Blake Chanel is afraid to let people hit.
1: Hmm. That might be something to that. He does labor a lot, and it's just nerve-wracking. And he's not a bad pitcher.
0: No, we've seen him be very good.
1: I think all those things have to come together for that game for him to be that good. If there's one off, he struggles. Maybe lack of confidence. That's That's a big game. He feels the pressure on him could be a lot of things, and it's hard. It's hard to get out of your own head and be uh, uh, mechanical on, on auto, and that's what pitchers need to be. Stop psychoanalyzing everything. Just go and throw. You have mm-hmm. the experience. I,
0: I really yeah. thought the pitch clock was going to help, like, Chanel this year because mm-hmm. it was, like, a little bit of uh, less time to think on the mound yeah, and more time to just go back and throw, you know? Yeah. Like, grip it and rip it. Um, I'm not surprised, but I guess I'm just a little disappointed that he hasn't gotten off to a fast start, you know? And now, I feel like the more time that goes on that he doesn't get that good start under his belt, the longer this is going to continue for him. And it's going to continue to be, like, a prolonged issue throughout the season, or at least until the All-Star break. And that's when he'll only get a chance to reset and see if he can put it together, Um, which he kind of did last year. So I just... I don't want him to have to rely on that. Mm -hmm. You know, like I want to see him put it together before that. And I want him to be a part of this team success that we're hopefully going to encounter throughout the season. And he's such a likable guy, you know, the broadcasters for the team really like him. They like call him Schnellzilla, But I, I noticed that they've kind of backed off of their like, sort of like, friendly relationship with him this year a little bit and and sort of the way they talk about him on the broadcasts that's just a casual observation I, i'm not saying that they feel differently about the guy but i i think they know he needs to perform better and that they don't want to give any brownie points to players that maybe are kind of struggling with their job
1: and <laughs> Or maybe it's a distraction having the mic up. right? Having mic up, and then talking about it. It maybe it's a distraction for him. And well,
0: and other players might not like it. Like, yeah. it, you know, this guy's not living up to his numbers or his reputation. Why is he getting all this praise from the broadcasters? These are these are prima donnas. These are guys that are you know obviously at high levels of success in their life mm-hmm. to even get to play in this level. There's a lot of egos. There's a lot of ego. Now, I will say, I'm a little bit encouraged that. Um, Musgrove is coming back. Yes. You know, I think that will help take some of the pressure off Snell because, you know, I think if Musgrove hadn't dropped the weight on his toe in spring training, then he would have been the opening day starter. And we wouldn't even be talking about this anymore. I mean, I'm not, we we might be talking about Blake Snell's struggles, but.
1: In a different context.
0: In a different context, you know, because he wouldn't have been the opening day starter. And that alone might've put some weird on, you know, like it's, you yeah. know, when they named him the opening day starter, I, I almost put my head in my hands. Like, Oh, you know, cause, cause he's just like the most head case pitcher. Everything's mental with him. Like I said, and yeah, it's the most frustrating part about watching him where it's just, I, I just want him to have this fu attitude. Oh, you hit a home run off of me. Fine. Whatever. Like I'll get shake you on the off. next pitch, shake mm-hmm. it off. You know, like obviously you don't want him giving up 10 home runs a game or anything either. But I feel like he just tries so hard to make these perfect pitches and, like, locate Logan. He's aiming the ball. It's obvious. And he needs to just stop thinking and throw the ball. He, yeah. He needs use the pitch clock to his advantage and make it, mm-hmm. you know, make his game better.
1: Yeah, he will get it eventually.
0: But the last thing I want to say about the Friars yeah. is a week from today is a big day. As long as there's no rainouts before then— uh, number 23 is going to be back on the field.
1: Fernando. Fernando,
0: as <laughs> Eva would say.
1: Fernando Tatis Jr. is coming back.
0: Oh, and it's been a long break, huh? We we haven't seen him all last year now, and then definitely going to be like three weeks for this season. So I'm excited.
1: Yeah, and I think the team is ready as well to have somebody come in and uh, help them out.
0: Well, that's kind of why I brought it up, because I kind of feel like the the team energy while I don't want to say it's lethargic and they've been relatively competitive in every game they've played this year. Um, I do feel like there is this like apprehension about not necessarily apprehension about Fernando coming back, but just more of, Oh, we can't wait for him to come back. And we're like, they're, they're sort of playing reserved until he gets there or something like that. I don't, I don't understand. And it might have had to do with the fact that, like, he was there with them during spring training. And I I, I feel like he's just this guy that has energy, you know, mm-hmm. and and brings a certain energy to the environment that he's in, whether it's spring training, whether it's the road trip, whether it's the home crowd, whatever, you know, he brings energy to his teammates. Mm-hmm. And I feel like since they broke apart from him, now they're just waiting for him to come back. They want him there, you know, and like, who doesn't? Obviously, we all want him there as fans. and And so... But we're at this point now where it's like a week away. It's so close and yet it's so, so far, far away. So <laughs> the message so for the week is like, forget about number 23. Go out there, do your jobs. And, you know, in in a week, yeah, you're, you're going to get a big upgrade. To your...
1: You get a little shot of excitement coming through.
0: Exactly. Yeah, so he... I'm excited for it. I'm excited to see him with. Xander and with Soto. I mean he's not played a major league game with either one of those two, you know? And
1: Do you think he will need time to adjust? No. <laughs> okay.
0: No, I think obviously the plan coming out of spring training is was was to hit him in the leadoff spot. I don't think anybody on the Padres has done anything to like earn that spot. I think you should bet Fernando leadoff. I don't think really anybody is capable of catching him with, as far as speed goes. Mm-hmm. So that's my big reason for not wanting a lot of people, you know, hitting in front of him because I don't want Fernando on first and Machado on second and <laughs> Fernando having to be held up at third because Machado wasn't fast enough to score, you know, like, I, I don't know. I, I, Anyways.
1: We see, we see, they might play around with stuff, so.
0: I don't think anyone's guaranteed anything the next day, but it would be great to see him hitting lead off, and I think it's a home game, so we'll see what happens. Yes,
1: yeah, yeah, and they are playing the Brew Crew.
0: That's tonight, no, that's and that's tonight. Uh, four. You games, know, obviously, maybe. by the time anyone hears this, that game's going to be over. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, the that's a four game set this weekend. It's definitely a series I'm going to be watching because you have what what is still considered to be a high producing offense with the Padres against a great pitching staff right now. That's what the numbers say at least. Well, I feel like the Padres have underperformed and I don't think they would disagree, but they've still scored 56 runs, you know, which is like they're not at the bottom of the barrel by any mm-hmm. means in the in the league. So, having said all that, um
1: well Hater is going to face his own team probably.
0: Yeah. That's an I mean, but that's that's at the end of the game. You yeah. got to get to Hater.
1: <laughs> yes, you do. You know,
0: <clears throat> getting to Hater requires being in the lead at the end of the game. So I'm sure he will be amped up, though, to pitch against his old team. So Yeah. All right. Before we get out of here, I wanted to talk about a couple of the bigger stories in baseball that are going on right now. Yeah. And so the first one is uh, someone that you brought up last week, which is Jorge Mateo. Oh. Jorge Mateo now has seven stolen bases, and that puts him – at a projection of having hundred and three point nine, Uh if the season, if he were to maintain that point throughout the sorry, season. if he were to maintain that pace throughout the whole season, wow, that's a lot. Well, no one's stolen hundred bases in a season since Ricky Henderson, so it would be the first time in a long time that anyone has done that. So okay. that would be really monumental, yeah. I think, and it would show a sure shift in the game.
1: Well, also the new rules play into that, probably. Oh,
0: of course. I mean, but that would just seem to indicate that the rules are working. Yeah. You know, um, that when people steal bases in baseball, it adds excitement to the mm-hmm. game, whether the runner's out or not. It, yeah. It, it, oh, people are moving. Things are in motion. Yes. It takes a relatively stagnant game and adds some movement to it. The other thing I'll say is that offense individual players are having some really interesting starts statistically and while it's way 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 too early to like start talking about 400 meaning anybody having a 400 batting average I don't know that it's too late either or or that it's not too late you know like I mean while it's way, it's definitely way too early to start talking about 400, about whether a, a player will be able to hit 400 for the entire season, which hasn't happened since 1941. I don't necessarily think it's not too early to start talking about it either. And the reason why I wanted to say that is because looking, you have two guys right now, Matt Chapman and Luis Erez on the Miami Marlins. And Chapman is on the Blue Jays. Both have 23 hits right now. And Ayarez has 46 at-bats. And Chapman has 47 at-bats. They're hitting 500 and 489 respectively. If they were to both go 0 for their next 54 and 53 at-bats. They would both still be hitting 230. Which is like better than a lot of players are even hitting... Regularly these days, I I don't foresee them both going oh for their next fifty at bats. No, so what my point here is is like we are starting to get enough at bats where a sig- it would take a significant amount of at bats to start bringing your average down by a lot of points every day. Mm-hmm. Um, and and vice versa, you know, like we're we're getting to that point where. It, Now, we'll know a lot more by the end of April whether these two can maintain this, but I think that that's pretty incredible that even after two weeks now, after almost 50 at-bats, you have players that are hitting 400. Mm -hmm. And that's astonishing to me, you know? Um, Yeah. And it's something to definitely keep an eye on. Um, Vlad Jr., another one, he's hitting 417 with 48 at-bats. Bryson Stott on Philadelphia probably their sole bright spot right now if you want to be honest hitting 420 after 50 at bats like i said the more at bats that go on these guys like i said they could he could go oh for his next 50 and still be hitting over 200
1: that's amazing though
0: it is so i'm excited to keep an eye on these batting averages and like see where we're at in a week or two so remind me to talk about that
1: oh definitely
0: <laughs> all right well We're going to keep our averages up by getting this podcast uh, done and over with so we can get it posted and up on the board as another win for us. Um, But yeah, thanks for sticking with us and thanks for listening as we figure out our format.
1: (laughs) It's a work in progress.
0: It's a work in progress and uh, it will probably come with some kind of revision or rebranding someday. We don't know for sure, but right now we're just... uh, Chucky, along you sharing our thoughts and we're going to go from there
1: absolutely and thank you for listening
0: in the meantime mm-hmm. uh if you have any thoughts or comments or criticisms for us you can contact us at what is it
1: fasting shaman
0: at gmail.com G-M-A. yes. that's fasting shaman at One. h-a-m-a-n at gmail. Com. all right well that wraps it up for this week's episode this has been kenny your host
1: And Nika, see you later. Bye. Bye.